everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Down the Walls. I'm Magali Munoz, your managing editor here at the State Hornet, and I am here with Heather Woodford. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, and we are here to talk about sex and relationships. So, Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. I am, let's start out with my history as a Hornet. I like to call myself a triple Hornet. I did my undergrad here, graduated in 2005 with um, a degree in social sciences and peace and conflict resolution, which is kind of like all these interdisciplinary studies, sociology, history, government. All, I, ca- I can't make up my mind. I like all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, did my master's in social work here, graduated 2013, went on to get, um, well, and then now I teach here at Sac State in the Department of Social Work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. If anybody is interested in that, that just means that I can practice therapy in California, and I do. And what else? I'm a professional sex geek. <laughs> and that's great for this pod. Yes. Um, why social work? Oh, excellent question. Um, I was doing a lot of community organizing and anti-war work um, during the uh, Iraq War earlier in the 2000s, and I found myself kind of like, standing on a street corner holding a sign and yelling a lot and then feeling like I don't really feel like I can see the change that I'm making in the world right it's like maybe I'm educating a couple people or making them think but I'm not really seeing the change that I want to see in the world so Mm -hmm. someone told me a couple someone's told me that I could do community organizing and get a degree in social work and actually have a career so I thought to myself why, yes, I would like to be a professional community organizer. And so I got a master's in social work. Um, Social work is about creating change. We call it the planned change process. Um, And to me, that's what what I've always wanted to do. I've always just wanted to create social change to see a better world. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific focus that I think you like work with, like with either kids or kind of like adolescents or kind of what what expansion do you have in that? Yeah, I've really focused my social work career on working with um, the LGBTQIA Two Spirit Plus community. Um, basically anybody that falls under the umbrella of queer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also work with folks just generally around issues of sexuality. Um, But yeah, just I work with kinky folks, non-monogamous folks, anybody who is stigmatized or marginalized or oppressed based around their um, experiences or identities around gender, sex, and sexuality. Okay, that's really interesting, and I guess yeah. that follows into like what our conversation is today. So the reason I reached out to you and how I found you was I found your study on sex positivity and happiness mm-hmm. among young adults. Um, yes. Can you explain a little bit what that study is? Sure, yes. Magali, you're making me go back into the rusty recesses of my memory. <laughs> um, I haven't done a whole lot of, I really haven't done any research since then, but mm-hmm. that was my master's thesis project, um, which I did during the academic year of 2012-2013. Shout out to my awesome thesis advisor, Dr. Tiasha Bankhead. Thank you. Um, And what I was really curious about was, does the way that we're educated about sex and sexuality or socialized about sex and sexuality have an impact on us in a broader way in life, right? Mm -hmm. Like people like to put sex and sexuality into this little little secret room off here in the corner, like a little silo, as if it's like separate from the other aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it is. I think that um, the way that we think about our bodies, about sex, about relationships, that connects with all aspects of our lives. And so my thesis question was um, studying how how much a person's sex education had been sex positive or sex negative, and then just exploring whether that had any impact on their happiness later in life. Not like, 
are you having a good sex life now? But just what are your attitudes and beliefs about your body and sex in general? And then does that help you be a more happy, well-adjusted human being? Mm -hmm. And what is the value in like owning your own sexuality and how that relates to kind of your sexual relationships in your life? Did you say this podcast is only a half an hour long? Mm -hmm. Because I have like nine hours of content on that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what isn't the value, right? When we learn about ourselves and our bodies, um, I think we can take better ownership of our bodies. We can express and explore. I mean, sexuality is just endlessly fascinating. It's like one of those... um, those like screensavers where you watch it and it just zooms into something and then it zooms into something else and you're just like whoa like your mind is exploding right um when you're when you know what you want and you can articulate it well i think you can you know have opportunities to have new experiences i think sex and sexuality are creative they are connective they build and support ongoing intimacy between ourselves and other people Mm -hmm. um and like who doesn't like want to have fun and pleasure right so i think it's just all encompassing Mm -hmm. and you talk about um like masturbation and self-pleasure um how did you kind of get people to like open up about their experiences with that because that tends to be like a very like embarrassing (laughs) and like to yourself kind of conversation how do you kind of delve into those um like weird topics without like making people too uncomfortable sure yeah well First of all, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of stigma, shame, embarrassment around sex and sexuality. But, you know, I think a lot of that is socialized into us. I know I'm digressing a tiny bit, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) hopefully this is interesting. Um, You know, if you look at like a little toddler, for example, that's like that has their hand down their pants, um, they're they're not ashamed about anything. Right. Until someone comes along and slaps them and is like. Timmy, get your hand out of your pants. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a part of my body that feels good, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that that stigma and shame is something that's taught to us, and I believe we can unlearn it as well. But that wasn't the answer to your question. <laughs> the, your question was about how did I get people to open up mm-hmm. and talk about it. Um, fortunately, when I did my study, or I guess fortunately for ease of talking about these things first of all i collected the data anonymously um and i didn't do qualitative um interview or i didn't do like interviews like we're doing right now Mm -hmm. right i had people fill out a survey with um likert scale questions right like one to seven options right Mm -hmm. um and then there was spaces where they could fill in the blanks as well but they knew that it was going to be anonymous and they knew that i was going to never disclose any of their personal information. So I think that's the first way that I would say that I like got people to open up is that they knew that it was anonymous. But also um, I think the second way that on an ongoing basis that we can get people to open up to us is just by being non-judgmental and trusting, right? And mm-hmm. I'll say uh, using my social work skills. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I were to talk to someone live, it would be more like just giving them permission to even think about something, not pressuring them to be in a rush about talking about it. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. No, it does. Um, and did you find a difference at all in like ages? Like who's more comfortable? Well, I guess you said that you didn't do, but like the answers that were differing as opposed to like when you're 18 years old to like when you're 30. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think, so my demographic that I studied was 18 to 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, so what I had, the questions that I asked uh, on the survey um, were about people's past experiences with their socialization and education, whether it's formal or informal around sex. So they're reflecting back mostly on their on their personal experiences from the past. Mm. Um, and I don't think that I actually did end up parsing out the data around like our 18-year-olds or 30-year-olds more or less comfortable talking about sex and their bodies. Mm-hmm. But 
that's an interesting question for a different study. <laughs> no, yeah. I think I was just curious because I think when you talk to different people about yes. their like experience, at least in my own experience, like yeah. when you talk to like an 18 year old who's still trying to like figure out yes. like how their bodies work and how their bodies work in terms yes. of like other relationships as opposed to like a 30 year old, they're like, well, I've been doing this for a while. So like yes. I already kind of know my way around or I already know what I like. Yes. So I was just curious and seeing if like there was any like study or something that you found in your study that would kind of like help relate to that. But um I didn't, but I love the question. <laughs> Hopefully someone will be able to answer that someday. Totally. And I think that your your hypothesis is probably accurate, right? The longer we have life experiences and the longer we get out into the world, into hopefully into contexts and environments that don't shame or stigmatize us around sexuality. And I hope Sac State is, is or is becoming much more of a sex positive space than people may feel more open and comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in my own experience, I feel like um, like ha- like a sexual relationship with someone that is kind of just like a one-off or just like kind of there and you're not committed to that person as opposed to someone that you're committed to is so different. Did you find any kind of discrepancy or is there um, like differentiating that in your study or in your experience? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I didn't ask that question in my in my research, but I'll tell you just from my professional experience working with clients for the past 10 years mm-hmm. and also being just trained as a sex educator and also just casually being that person that everybody's like, Heather is the sex person. She'll answer the sex question. I'm going to go talk to her. I've had a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also recently in the past few years looked into something called attachment theory. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know what that is, but it's about um, the way that we form attachments. Um, and it's based on, you know, some of our relationships earlier in life, right? Like how, what were your relationships like with your early caregivers? But it influences how we relate to people that are like our really close relationships later on in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really interesting because I think some people might experience like a little U-shaped and an inverted curve, right? Mm-hmm. They may feel sometimes like really comfortable and open to connect sexually with someone that they haven't met before. Or the, I mean, not that they haven't met, but that they, they don't have like a really deeply committed relationship to because they can be free and open and there's no worry about losing that person mm-hmm. right but the longer you go along right in this relationship this is my theory anyway just mm-hmm. based on my conversations here's mm-hmm. another research question right <laughs> um the longer you go along in those relationships the more there is a risk of losing that person right so it can feel even scarier to be more vulnerable with them mm-hmm. right so maybe there's a time where it dips where you're like a little bit afraid while you're still establishing that safe emotional romantic mm-hmm. um connection with someone that that trusting committed relationship and then hopefully as time goes on and you build more and more trust in each other some of that comfort level can go back up and I mean again I think it probably varies differently for different people but that's kind of my theory is there's like a lot of openness and interest and curiosity perhaps for people um, toward like the beginning of like a hookup type of relationship Mm -hmm. and then also higher comfort levels uh, when you're longer into that relationship but there can be this like uncertainty period of like building the trust of the relationship Mm -hmm. yeah because even just talking to some of my friends I would like ask you know like how is like just versus just the hookup one night stand or like friends with benefits as opposed to like you being in a committed relationship like down the road what is that difference and they always say like yeah it's kind (laughs) of awkward when you're like trying to figure out like how to tell this person that you like this in bed or you like to be treated this way as opposed to like if you're just going to be with one person like the one day or for a few hours and it's like okay well I can try whatever because you know I'm not going to see this person again or it's just this is all the relationship is is sex and I do find that like the conversations that I've had with those 
those people as opposed to like someone that I'm more committed to is like a little uncomfortable because I'm just like I don't know what that person's gonna think of that right. but um I think it's important to be like open about it you know because yeah. you're gonna be with this person then you, they gotta know what you like absolutely you know? absolutely and I I would hope that um well I can does it feel interesting for you for me to if I were to share like a couple of tools for people in relationships no, to communicate yeah. okay so there's a great there are these great lists on the internet right and they're called yes no maybe lists mm -hmm. or um, want would won't lists and you can kind of look them up and they just have like a plethora I love that word plethora. I don't know why I just busted that out. But um, they have a, like a plethora of ideas around like sexual activities and like sexual boundaries and things like that. And you and your partner or partners, no judgment, whatever, mm -hmm. you and your one sexy person or your three or ten sexy people, whatever, can go and you can make your own list based off of those. And those are, first of all, excellent conversation starters. Um, they're great ways of exploring for yourself what you might be interested in, right? Some people don't even know that they might like to do furry play which is where you dress up in like fun little fuzzy costumes right mm -hmm. and make out with each other like there's just a whole world of stuff out there that people might not know that they like mm -hmm. until they either brought have it brought up as a hypothetical thing or or meet somebody who is into that right mm -hmm. and so just that ongoing communication can really within yourself and then with your your sexy person can mm -hmm. kind of help to build that trust and so i recommend looking up just yes no maybe lists and then there's also this great youtube channel called sexplanations it's just explanations with an s in front of it mm -hmm. and she has a great video called how to get the sex you want and it talks all about these would will want lists um or want would won't lists and she even talks about well i'll let people google it but it's really she, she has some fun techniques for how you can use post-it notes and move things around because sometimes our boundaries shift mm -hmm. and how would you recommend kind of like um, like setting the dialogue for someone that like really wants to be able to have that conversation and they're uncomfortable, what kind of tips mm -hmm. would you give them to just be able, you know, like sit down with their partner and say like, this is what I want to talk about as uncomfortable as it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so something that can be fun for that can be, uh, and in fact, it's coming up very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, it, um, uh, is something like the hump film festival or just watching like erotic materials or sending each other like, so porn, right. Mm -hmm. Um, or sending each other like little sexy stories that you read on the internet. Those can be ways of opening up conversations and being like, you know, you can look at it from all from like a little third person hypothetical perspective like i don't know what do you think that that looks kind of fun right you can watch something together and be like oh i didn't know what that was going to be about or mm -hmm. like my my friend told me that this might be a sexy story that you could read whatever it is mm -hmm. right um or a sexy podcast right Pod there's some good podcasts out there there's also some apps that you and um another person can link with and i'm sorry i'm not remembering the name of the apps but you can you can put yourself and then you can send an invite to one other person and you guys both like swipe yes or no on mm -hmm. things that you'd be interested in trying and when there's a match mm -hmm. then it'll make suggestions like hey why don't you all try playing with ice cubes tonight? Mm -hmm. Or like, why don't you all try using a blindfold tonight? Mm -hmm. um, so there's all kinds of fun tools out there that'll just like help, you know, ease yourself into a conversation. And also, of course, there's like lots of sex education materials out there. Or, um, you know, worst case scenario, if you're finding yourself like feeling really un uncertain and like unsafe and unsecure, um, you know, maybe maybe talk to a sex therapist mm -hmm. and 
they're they're out there (laughs) i'm curious um how you became so comfortable talking about sex like (laughs) i think with a lot of even just adults that i try to like seek out where i'm like can i just ask about this and they're like go ask someone else like or google it but i'm curious as to how you just became so comfortable talking about it yeah i mean it definitely didn't happen overnight right Mm -hmm. and also shout out again to my fantastic thesis advisor dr tiasha bankhead um who is retired now but worked in the division of social work um (laughs) I love this moment. I will never forget this moment. Um, We, my cohort of uh, students, so she was uh, advising maybe about seven of us on our thesis projects. And we were kind of just brain, we're starting the process of thinking of what we might want to research, right? What what would our research question be? Um, And I was, you know, so I was in the, she said, everybody come meet at my office. She lives in Oakland. We all went down to like the Lake Merritt um, neighborhood of Oakland, met in her, her, private office and like we were just kicking around some ideas right and I was just like I think I might want to study sex education I don't really know and she's just like great do you know what we're doing after this and I was like what and she's like we're going to good vibes good vibes good vibrations is a chain of sex toy stores in the bay area and Mm -hmm. they they specifically employ educators right so they're not just retail salespeople who are like buy this purple thing they're like they actually have education on like what's healthy what's safe consensual all different types of kink they're very non-judgmental mm-hmm. right and she was like we're going to good vibes and i was like i have literally never had a teacher tell me that we are going to a sex toy store uh okay <laughs> so sometimes you just need that little push but um you know it was it just it just took time for me to feel comfortable and i also you know even the fact that we're having this conversation about how uncomfortable it is right mm-hmm. it's because it's so stigmatized and it's not talked about so um i think it just took Oh, no, I kind of lost track of my thought. But I, I get it just took time and practice, right, over time. Um, and I, oh, I was going to say that at first I thought that it wouldn't be okay for me to study sexuality, right? I was like, oh, that's not, I'm not going to be taken seriously, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to take me seriously as a social worker. But that's not true. Sexuality is a part of the human experience. And it's just as important as anything else that social workers do, including, like, working with veterans or working with children. It's just part of the human experience. And so I guess the answer is I've had a lot of practice, and now I can do it in my sleep. <laughs> Just takes time. Oh, I love that. Um, and then earlier, we I commented on your earrings. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and I had a question because I feel like I've been hearing sure. it a lot more. Um, how do you have the conversation about like using condoms or not using condoms in your experience like how does one like even just bring that up excellent question okay um i think that first of all if you take nothing away from this listening to this conversation today with your awesome editor person magali um you should take away um from the conversation that it's okay to be awkward right and i think that people appreciate awkwardness i think like you can tell when someone's being like fake confident and they're just like Bah, 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 right? Like, don't be blustery. Just be awkward. Just be willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If you want to have sex with someone, you're going to have to be vulnerable with them anyway, right? So you just got to be willing to take that step over the the little canyon of uncertainty, um, first of all. Um, secondly, there is this cool video out there called um, Safer Sex Elevator Speech by these two sex, educa- uh, sex educators, Kathy Vartuli and Reed Mahalko. Um, but if you just look up Safer Sex Elevator Speech, you'll find it on YouTube. Um, and so you can kind of maybe even, ma- you'll see in the video where you can maybe make yourself just like a little script, right? So it can be like, would you, first of all, you have to get consent, right? Like, mm-hmm. would you like to hear my little talk about, like, would you like to hear my little brief 30 second thing about Safer Sex? And mm-hmm. then the other person could be like, well, yes, I would. 
like to do that with you person mm-hmm. that I'm dating and interested in or Netflix and chilling or whatever mm-hmm. with, right? Um, so once you get their consent, you can say like, okay, so here, here's my, my safer sex status, right? Here's the last time I was tested. Here's what I was negative for and positive for, if anything, right? Here are my boundaries. I am either like single or I'm like in an open relationship or I'm polyamorous or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, right? And these are my boundaries around barriers, right? Like I don't have sex with any partners that I'm not what's called fluid bonded with, right? Unless we're going to use a condom. So um, if we want to have penetrative sex tonight, I would like it if we could use a barrier. And a barrier could be a condom, it could be a dental dam, it could be what's called an internal condom. Um, and then and then you say something that you like, you can be like, I like, um, by the way, I like it when you pull my hair. Um, and then you can say something you don't like. You can say like, I don't like it when you call me names, right? I don't like, I don't like dirty talk, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, right? Um, and then you could say, and what about you, right? Anyway, people can look up this video, but um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's about embracing your discomfort. It's about just being as straightforward as possible. And I think when you do that, when you model that for other people, they're way more willing to like step up and and take that risk with you and have the conversation with you oh Mm -hmm. also don't forget lube that's all i just wanted to say lube is always good there's never (laughs) a bad reason to use lube that's all and how do you bring that into the conversation though when you have because i feel like men in particular at least when you talk about like wanting to bring in like additional things either like a vibrator or Mm -hmm. something else or like lube to kind of help like heighten up the experience they kind of get insecure um that they feel like they're not enough how do you have that conversation to just be able like hey well that's not necessarily the case but like how do you break down that like barrier with them to like when they don't want to oh my gosh i think there are various ways you could do it first of all i mean i think you're right that that people especially men are taught that they're like inadequate or that they're not you know good enough or they're not it's that it's their job to like one directionally read someone's mind and then give them the pleasure and it's like actually what you are is you're my favorite sex toy but i would also like to bring this other sex toy right Mm -hmm. you're the sex toy i'm most interested in right now sexy person whatever your name is right Mm -hmm. um and i would just like you to know that it's easier it's much more pleasurable for me it's easier for me to have an orgasm or for to feel pleasure or relaxed or whatever if i also bring this in right would you go to a bakery and be like um i would like the artisan cupcake that was not made with a KitchenAid." Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's just a tool. Right. It's just another tool to Mm -hmm. um, to have fun with. So I think just presenting it as like this is something that that is fun for me. And I would love to show you how I like to use it. And then maybe you can learn something about my body. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll show you how I use this. Maybe you can show me how how you like to be touched. Right. And just talking about it. There's all this BS about that. We need to be able to read each other's minds and that we have like in order to be good in bed, you have to be a mind reader and you have to like know what someone else wants and that's absolutely not true because everybody is different Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's important to also like realize it takes time like when you're exploring someone's body and you do intend to be committed with this person in terms of like a sexual or like a romantic relationship like it's gonna take time it's gonna take patience i think from both ends you know so if you're not getting it right the first time that doesn't mean you're not you're never gonna get it right absolutely it just means that it's going to take time different bodies require different things just because you did it with one person does not mean it's gonna work on the other person i think that's something that we need to remember you said it are you gonna be a sex educator i'll so you got my training you can go get trained up too you'd be great <laughs> thank you um i think i just like i always want to just like break down that barrier i think when i talk about sex a lot with like my like my family or like my friends um i'm just very like open about it i don't think yes. about it in any way other than just like this is something that like i'm doing yeah you know and Absolutely. i just want to like talk about it because even sometimes i don't know what's right or what's wrong and i'm gonna go ask mm-hmm. someone like hey I just had this experience over the weekend, like, you know, like just kind of help me like talk through it a little bit. Yeah. So I'm very just like 
here for the facts like this is what happened this is like how i felt and then like let's just talk about it but i don't necessarily always get like embarrassed about it. i think i had to like yeah. learn to like just be like you know what i'm a person having sex consensual sex yes i just want to talk about it absolutely hear the people's experiences about it if they're willing to talk about it you know absolutely yes totally when i was a uh, um i used to tell uh sell passion parties which is like in-home sex toy sales um and my goal was always to make the least comfortable person in the room at least feel safe enough to like sit there right mm -hmm. <laughs> so like you said it doesn't have to be weird or awkward um and then you know not all conversations have to be the same maybe you're not sharing all the same things with your auntie and your grandma that you would share with your with your best friend or your mm -hmm. cousin and you know I, it, it's okay boundaries can be different in different places mm -hmm. and it's always important to understand that too yeah and i think that's where i was just kind of like yeah i'm not gonna talk about like that with that person but yes. this person i'm just gonna be like hey this is everything that happened mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but shifting focus um i know you run sex positive sacramento yeah. tell me a little bit about that and what you kind of do with that program sure yeah so um we've done a few different things in the past and we still can do like we do trainings and consultations for um i do consultations with other professionals so other like sex educators you know teachers whoever uh, therapists I do a lot of work with other therapists um, around just like working with people around sex so that's kind of like the more like professionalized part of it mm -hmm. but really my favorite thing the thing that we've been doing for years now is we run a monthly mixer called sex positivity with a TEA at the end because mm -hmm. we used to meet at classy hippie tea back in the day um, and um, we just bring people together we have a different topic every month sometimes it's it's like really like a guided workshop experience sometimes we watch a film like Crip Camp um, and then discuss it this month we're just doing a little uh, picnic in the park at McKinley Park we're just mm -hmm. getting together we're just hanging out we're just like destigmatizing sex we're learning from each other we're like nerding out on whatever the topic is of the day we've had like so many fun topics we had a drag workshop where we had these like drag kings which if folks don't know drag kings it's basically like the inverse of drag queens right it's female-bodied folks typically um performing masculinity right we had a, a drag king workshop people come in and help people you know workshop their little scenes and stuff that they want to do uh what else have we done i'm drawing a blank but we just have we have so much fun with it but basically our mission is just to bring sex positivity to sacramento so mm -hmm. that's what we're doing and you mentioned working with uh, queer folk. How mm -hmm. is that experience different than like working with like heterosexual people? Do you think mm -hmm. that they're a little shyer or like <laughs> maybe a little more open to talk about it? I'm, I'm curious as to yeah. what the experience is like. That's a really interesting question. And um, I always say this to my social work students and, you know, you're intelligent. You probably know this, but I just want I want to say this very clearly for everyone. Um, there's more variation between any any group of people or any population. There's more diversity within any population than there is overall differences, right? But mm -hmm. that being said, I think, you know, there, there can definitely be some, some trends or some um, commonalities, right? And oftentimes, um, I think it's, you know, again, it's all over the map, right? I've had people who are like so shy that they like are barely even able to say a word, right? Mm -hmm. And then I've, I've had people who are just like, what's up, bring it on. I'm a kink educator. I'm this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I need some therapist who can just like meet me where I'm at and and can handle it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, great, that's me. Um, but I, th I would say that like, largely speaking, I think queer folks in general are a bit more comfortable talking about sex and sexuality just because we've so often like been seen through that lens of like oh you are all about sex right you mm -hmm. i'm identifying you based on your sexual orientation and i'm like 
okay, what about all these Disney films we watch that have like heterosexual couples kissing ever since we're like two years old that we're mm-hmm. watching that, right? So it's not that one community is more sexual than another community. In fact, asexuals are part of the queer community, right? But it's more that um, we've kind of had to oftentimes find information on our own. And I'm, I'm probably a bit older than you, <laughs> but when I was growing up in Placerville in, um, in the 90s and I came out um, as, well, first as bisexual when I was 18 when I, Oh, I guess I was 17 and then 18 when I dated my first girlfriend. There were no resources. There was no like, hey, come on down to the LGBT center. Come on down to the pride parade. Mm -hmm. Come on down and meet your like sex educator, you know, whatever person. There was like, we had a gay straight alliance at our high school and we like, my homeroom teacher wouldn't even read the announcement in the bulletin. She was like, that is disgusting. Like, Mm -hmm. so we've had to we've had to seek out resources on our own we've had to be educators for our friends and our partners right we've had to do these explorations so i do think that in some ways um you know and for folks for trans folks who may be interested in transitioning like we've had they've had to have a lot of frank conversations and educate their own doctors and their own therapists about what it means to like have certain body parts um so it is my goal and hope and dream that as lovely as a question that that is that that won't even be a question in the future Mm because it'll just be like everyone has access to affirming sex education and sex isn't even stigmatized right mm-hmm. i don't know if that answers your question no but i think yeah. it does and i think um to add on to that i think the reason why i ask if there's a difference is because usually um at least when i've talked or like i've heard conversations about sex it's, it'll always be like if two like you know lesbian couple mm-hmm. that is always more like sexualized as opposed yes. to like a heterosexual couple and it's yeah. just like it sucks to see that like two women who are just dating and want to like just be together like yep. they can barely do that without just the automatic thought from someone else like saying like oh well i wonder what it is that they're doing it's like absolutely well, we're not having those thoughts about any man and woman because convers- exactly. like, that's weird right so why would you try to do that with something right. else so i think that was like my point in my question because it is yes. unfortunate that that's um and such seems a good to be the reality too. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um and to wrap this up um is there anything that you want to leave our guests with any advice anything <sighs> that you just feel like they should know um you know about sexuality <sighs> wow and exploring their sexuality i mean a couple things you you know you said you want to talk about like sex and safer sex and and you know health and everything today and i think one thing to think about to remind ourselves of generally speaking is that like we think about like safer sex and like um safe sex right as being a physical thing but it's also a relational thing it's also a mental health thing right um i'm like obsessed with the idea of creating a consent culture um Mm -hmm. and i like to remind I'll, i'll okay i'll just leave kind of like a little silly joke I like to say is like consensual sex is like fries it's hot and delicious right um and there's a cute little acronym that kind of floats out there around on the internet um Planned Parenthood has some fun little stickers that um consent consent is like fries it's freely given it's reversible it's informed right so you know what you're getting into it's enthusiastic so it's Mm -hmm. not coerced and then it's specific to that situation and i just think that like if we were to take this fries model and apply it to like every other relationship in our lives including and especially our relationship with ourselves because we spend so much time like judging ourselves or push pressuring ourselves into things like i just think how much happier and more delicious would our lives be if we just applied this fries model to ourselves in our relationships? Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's yeah. actually a great way of thinking of that. And that's true. You know, when you are talking and being open with the person that you're consensually having sex with yeah. and just having an educated conversation about it, it's going to be so much better. And yeah, um, for both parties, you know, yes. 
Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and yeah. answering all of my questions. Um, you know, I hope everyone out there was able to like learn something from this. And I hope you guys are having safe, honest and like comfortable conversations about sex with your partners or multiple partners. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Thank you. This is the best thing that happened all day. <laughs> yeah.